School choice is a focus of this year's legislative session. Advocates want state funds to help parents pay for private school or homeschooling. Opponents say this is the latest attempt to undermine Texas public schools. What do you need to know about this debate? This is Listen in Lubbock. For Texas Tech Public Media, this is Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self-Walbrick. School vouchers aren't a new idea, but over the past couple decades, voucher programs have expanded from small experiments to statewide policies. And Texas could be next. The state's top lawmakers have listed school choice as a priority of this year's legislative session. Still, it's a complex topic with a lot to understand. Brian Lopez is the public education reporter at the Texas Tribune. He joins us today to talk through this issue. I'm excited for your insight, Brian. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with some vocabulary because the phrase school choice can mean a lot of different things. Give us a broad definition. Yeah, so school choice is a term usually used by pro-voucher advocates or voucher like programs that essentially means being able to use state money, taxpayer money to send uh, your child to private institutions or pay for any other kind of educational alternative to public education. Lawmakers have proposed a few different ways to go about this, and these are kind of modeled off of what we've seen in other states. Let's break those down some. What exactly is a voucher program? A typical vouchers uh, is when the state directly pays private institutions through taxpayer money for parents to send uh, their kids to that school. Governor Greg Abbott favors education savings accounts, or ESAs. What are those? So those is what we like to call voucher-like programs because education savings accounts, the state doesn't directly pay private schools or private institutions. What usually happens is the state will set up an online account managed by the comptroller or the education department. And basically, they will distribute those funds into this account and parents can use them only for approved expenses. This historically has included private school tuition, tutoring, homeschooling expenses, in some cases, expenses for public education itself, as well as in some states, that money kind of rolls over and you can use it for higher education. We've also had bills filed that would create tax credit scholarships. How would that be different? So those are more taxpayers themselves can donate to nonprofits, whether that be, you know, uh, irregular, you know, non-educational related or a school that's a nonprofit and taxpayers can donate to their scholarship funds and they can receive a lower tax bill. Texas is certainly not the first state to consider school choice measures. What does this look like elsewhere? What Texas is trying to do is essentially enact a universal education savings account. I think that, you know, with the governor, that being his priority, I think we'll see a lot of that talk centered around education savings account. The only other state that has a universal education savings account, and by universal, I mean any child is eligible for this, is Arizona. And they recently just passed that in their legislative session last year. Uh, So that's what we're looking at in other states, education savings account, and at least 10 states 
these accounts type of accounts exist. They're just a little bit more limited to, you know, either low income students or special needs students, whether it be bilingual or special education. And also it's important to note that these accounts are fairly new. They're about a decade old. Uh, so there's a lot of data that doesn't exist on these because they are so limited. And in a lot of these places, there's no accountability mechanism and they're very, you know, there's not a lot of transparency to where these funds go. Knowing that these are fairly new programs, what does credible research tell us about the results? Very mixed. Because there is no accountability attached to a lot of these programs, no test scores, a lot of these private schools don't have to follow any type of state regulations or to state tests. For example, you know, I was just talking to the superintendent of the education department in Arizona, and the reasoning behind that is, you know, they want to allow private schools to maintain their autonomy and also families to be able to have that sort of privacy that they may not have been able to afford beforehand. But what this creates is taxpayers themselves can't hold these institutions accountable, you know, where their money is going. But in incredible research, they kind of point to traditional voucher systems, which we talked about, you know, straight to the private schools. Usually when these are piloted in small scales, very specialized, very, you know, not universal, they tend to do well. They tend to result in in good outcomes when they are launched into this kind of universal space. A lot of what proponents of this say is, you know, they improve public schools, they improve test scores and make the market more competitive, that there is no strong evidence that actually that happens, uh, especially when there is no type of accountability or transparency to what these private schools are doing. It's time for a short break. When we come back, we'll hear more about Governor Greg Abbott's push for what he calls education freedom. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self Wallbrick. Today we're talking about school choice. It's a topic Texas Ledge followers will hear about a lot over the next few months as the state's top politicians push to change education dynamics. Before the break, the Texas Tribune's public education reporter, Brian Lopez, helped us with some key words and definitions to know about school choice. Now, let's talk about who's advocating for this kind of education reform. Governor Greg Abbott listed expanding school choice as an emergency item this session, which means lawmakers can vote on the issue soon. Abbott has been a vocal proponent for school choice for months now. Tell us a little bit more about his position, Brian. The governor is feeding a lot into the kind of parental empowerment, parental right fights that we've kind of seen over the past three years now since the pandemic kind of hit Texas, where a lot of parents were a little bit closer and, and, you know, with online school, were able to see a little bit more about what their children were reading, what their children were writing, what they were learning. A lot of parents were dissatisfied with that. As you know, there was a lot of fights over critical race theory um, used as a buzzword over, you know, how race and history is taught in schools. You know, we've passed laws on that. Fast forward a couple of years, 
did not, you know, you, you move to school board fights, you move to, you know, banning certain books about LGBTQ issues and race and history. So, you know, all this has kind of evolved because parents are displeased or are not happy with what has been happening. This is a good chance for school choice to be a priority this session. So that's a lot about what we're hearing uh, right now from the governor and, and people, you know, close to him and that are pushing this issue. So just in an interview this week with the Texas Tribune, Governor Greg Abbott says that he understands that this is an issue for rural Texans and seems like he's going to make some specific efforts to reach out to those populations. Can you tell us a little bit more about what y'all got out of that one-on-one interview? Yeah, so that's definitely something that the governor knows he you know, not only him, but, you know, the, the Senate and, and, and the House needs to win over those rural Republicans because in the past they have been, you know, against Democrats and rural Republicans have really stood their ground on this issue. Uh, rural Republicans, you know, there's two main things why they don't really want these programs. One is there's not a lot of options out there, private schools options. There's no there's none over there. And, and second, if there are any options there and if one of these accounts kind of pass and either you go to a private school or parents start homeschooling, any child that kind of leaves uh, public school, they'll lose that funding for it. And in rural areas, they already kind of, they have low enrollment, their finances aren't as rich as, you know, your more urban, suburban school district. So that's the fear that they have. And we'll see what kind of happens. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick alluded to that they may be able to carve rural areas out. There has been legislation like in Missouri where the school choice legislation has passed and they've carved the rural areas out. So that's going to be part of the debate this session and, and we'll see how that kind of takes shapes as well. We'll get into that a little bit more later in the show. School choices come up in past legislative sessions, but measures have never gone very far. Why is that? And is the dynamic different this time? It hasn't gone far because there has been a strong, uh, you know, especially in the House, there has been a strong kind of staunch members, both uh, in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, that don't want any less kids in public schools. That means less funding, especially in those rural areas. You know, in the past, there's been a lot of political fights over this with Republicans in party fights over, you know, this should be a uh, issue that they call me get behind. But I mean, Texas is, you know, home of the most rural students and rural school districts in the country. So they have a lot of political weight in the legislature. Uh, if it's going to be different this year, you know, we don't really know yet. You know, we believe that there's always going to be that pushback from rural areas. Speaking to rural school officials and rural lawmakers, you know, they are against anything that could take funding away from public schools. Uh, we'll see if, you know, the governor will be successful in believing and convincing these areas that this will be good for them as well. We'll see, um, you know, when I was I was spoke to the Rural Schools Association in Arizona and they were telling me their education savings account doesn't really help them. And it doesn't really it didn't really also take a lot of funding away because there's just nothing out there. So we'll see if, you know, Texas looks to a place like Arizona to see how it works there as well. That's really interesting insight. When reforms like this are proposed, people often question what's influencing the push. What do we know about what's happening behind the scenes of the school choice debate? Um, yeah, behind the scenes, you know, it's it's been a long fight between organizations that have really, you know, Five years ago, I think the American Federation for Children, which was founded partially by Betsy DeVos, you know, they they kind of, you know, they see five years ago, they came to Texas and, you know, I was talking to one of their strategists and he told me in the Capitol, nobody would really bat an eye or give them the time of day to talk about any type of 
voucher system, voucher program now, more lawmakers are more open to listening and hearing them out. So they feel like they've made a lot of ground here with, you know, supporting uh, and donating to campaigns as well. That's a big way to get in on these kind of issues and, and lobbying. So we'll see, you know, that they feel confident that this session could be the session. But, you know, it's very hard to tell right now what this will look like. I mean, in the past, Texas has had an education savings account pitched. Uh, the governor has you know, I think this is the strongest support he's put behind them, but in the past, he's always he's also supported them and, and hasn't been successful. So we'll kind of see what happens. But the, the mood behind the scenes is, you know, these groups are making strides in, in, in Austin. We've touched on this some already, but give us some more of the arguments in favor of school choice. Really, the biggest one right now is parental freedom and parents being the biggest accountability that a school can be held accountable to. You know, I was reading a report by the Heritage Foundation, which is a conservative think tank, and one of their reports is, you know, school choice advocates should really control this cultural war battle and use it in their favor when talking about if they want to get school choice passed in states like Texas and other states that are going through similar legislative process. Uh, So I think, you know, that's the biggest push right now. And it's something that's always existed. But because of the pandemic, it's kind of put everything in your face. It's really fresh. And they're trying to take advantage of that. Brian, you've talked with the Texas Private Schools Association about this. What's their stance? Their stance is, you know, similarly provide parents with the options to be able to take their kids to these private schools using taxpayer money. Very similar to whatever, you know, what Governor Abbott and everybody else is kind of saying. Uh, The only difference is, you know, the director there is very against any legislation that would harm public schools. And they're working with a lawmaker in Austin right now to to craft their own kind of bill that they'll put their support behind. So we'll see, you know, what, what they come up with. They've also hinted that, you know, they could expand private schools across uh, the state, especially in those rural areas, to make it more accessible to students. So that's their stance. You know, they're really pushing for this, but in a matter that they don't want to harm public schools. We'll see what that kind of looks like. You know, as I've mentioned, the fear here is that any kid that leaves a public school system, that funding, will, it will leave them without money, but the same costs. What is the State Board of Education's position on school choice? So the State Board of Education recently took a kind of neutral stance on it. Before, I would want to say November of this past year, they took a hard stance that they would oppose any school vouchers or voucher-like programs. New members come in, more conservative members come in uh, with views a little bit more on pro-school choice and voucher programs, and they kind of step back from it. They said, you know, we won't pick a dog in this fight. We'll stay neutral. Uh, So that's where they're at right now. We have to take another short break. When we come back, Brian Lopez from the Texas Tribune will tell us about the opposition to school choice. Stick with us. Welcome back to Listen in Lubbock. I'm Sarah Self-Walbrick. One of the biggest debates of this year's legislative session will be school choice, which is an umbrella term for education options that allow students and families to select alternatives to public schools. 
In Texas and other states, much of the controversy is about funding these options. Before the break, public education reporter Brian Lopez from the Texas Tribune told us about those pushing for school choice programs. Now we'll talk about those pushing against these efforts. So Brian, tell us about those who oppose school choice programs. What are some of their reasons? The biggest reason is funding. Anytime a child leaves the public education system, that's one less student that they receive money for. You know, right now they get a basic six thousand about six thousand dollars per student and there's a lot of little weigh-ins that increase that dollar amount but anytime a child leaves that's you know thousands of dollars less for school districts Uh, so that's the biggest kind of argument against it the other one is public education is the only system that is required to teach every student regardless of you know whatever needs they have private schools uh, they would receive taxpayer money, but not necessarily have to accept anybody they don't want to. And the other part of it is that there isn't a lot of options for a lot of uh, school districts in Texas, uh, especially as mentioned, those rural areas where they're, you know, the public school is kind of the hub for community employment and also education. Uh, And at times where, you know, a teacher might drive the bus in the morning, get to class, coach in the afternoon and maybe drive the bus again. So those are the kinds of things, you know, that, you know, we're hearing that that is an opposition of these, you know, voucher like programs. I want to dig into a little bit more about that private school aspect. So that's one of the arguments I've heard most often in our part of the state is that there aren't many alternatives to the local public school. The closest private school could be hours away. So how have pro-voucher advocates addressed that? Um, So in different states, what we've seen is there is expansion of private schools, whether that be already an existing private school or a completely new one that kind of goes into to fill in the gaps and collect that money, especially in other states. What we've seen is, you know, private schools kind of pop up in strip malls or, you know, areas that you wouldn't usually see a school in or have a school at. So that's how, you know, pro school voucher advocates have kind of pointed that as a way that, you know, will bring more options to students. The other thing is with these education savings account is that, you know, somebody could potentially, you know, homeschool their child and provide specialized, whatever they feel like is the best kind of education at homeschooling. So those are the kind of ways that they have responded to that. Top Republicans in the state might support this idea, but as we've talked about, other members of the party, especially rural representatives, are not on board. Why is that? And how could that affect this debate going forward through the rest of the legislative session? Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what mechanisms or what kind of persuasions or, you know, incentives that lawmakers that are pro-school choice, pro-voucher programs add or entice rural lawmakers with. I think that's one of the biggest kind of obstacles that they'll face this session. And like in most sessions, when talking about any program like this, them and and Democrats usually are the ones that, you know, kind of uh, are very against any type of this legislation going through. In the Senate, it usually really passes easily. You know, we can probably anticipate that something, whatever the program is, could pass very easily through the Senate as the lieutenant governor uh, wields a lot of power there. And and this is one of his priorities as well. Uh, The challenge will really be in the House, where historically, you know, even uh, the House committee doesn't even take up a bill on this. So uh, we'll kind of see on that. Pro-school voucher advocates are very happy with the House Public Education Committee, but we'll see, you know, 
if maybe some of these members' minds have changed in the last couple of years, but a lot of the members on that public education committee have voted for anti-voucher amendments in the past. Uh, so we'll see how the debate looks like. I think that's going to be really key, what the House Public Education Committee decides to do. Brian Lopez is the public education reporter at the Texas Tribune. Thanks for talking with us today. I recently collaborated with Houston Public Media for an in-depth look at this issue. Here's that story. For Texas Tech Public Media, I'm Julia Sewing. School choice is one of the big buzzwords at the Texas Capitol this legislative session. Most of the folks using it are talking about school vouchers, basically allowing families to use public dollars for private school tuition. The proposals raise a couple questions. Do vouchers work, and why is the debate a wedge issue for Texas Republicans? To answer those questions, we bring you this report from Houston Public Media's Dominic Anthony Walsh and Texas Tech Public Media's Sarah Self-Walbrick. School vouchers are not a new idea, but over the past couple decades, voucher programs have expanded from small experiments to statewide policies. With this legislation, Arizona is now the gold standard for educational freedom. More than a dozen states, most recently Arizona, have passed vouchers into law. The programs range from tax breaks, where parents can write off private school tuition when they file at the end of the year, to subsidies or education savings accounts, where families receive money directly. Many of those policies were justified with findings from early pilot programs in places like Milwaukee, where low-income families received tuition subsidies starting in 1990. The results seemed promising at first. But they were small programs, a couple thousand kids at the most. And those evaluations, those studies did tend to show some small benefit to kids academically. Joshua Cowan is with Michigan State University. But then once you got to the real ball game and created that fully scaled up voucher programs, the results were really catastrophic. Researchers found that scaled up voucher programs in some states led to worse academic outcomes than natural disasters like Hurricane Katrina and even the COVID-19 pandemic. Patrick Wolf has also worked on voucher studies. He's at the University of Arkansas. Wolf has found some positive results around things like high school graduation and college completion. He also says good things happened when public schools in Florida were forced to fight for students. Test scores for kids who remain in district-run public schools go up when those schools face more competition from school choice. But he's found disadvantages, too. We have seen several statewide evaluations of private school choice programs, including one I led of the Louisiana scholarship program that showed clear negative effects on student test score outcomes. But all this research can be difficult to parse because there's a lot of money and politics involved. Haria Jabbar with UT Austin says researchers generate wildly different takeaways from the same studies. There are a lot of ideologically based think tanks and folks associated with those think tanks that are doing research, promoting school voucher policies that just often kind of get cited in the same ways as peer reviewed research. She says folks are missing a key point about the purpose of education. So vouchers really shift the concept of education to a private good that benefits the individual student or family. But education is a public good, meaning that it benefits, you know, not just individuals, but society as a whole. That brings us to what's happening right now in Texas. Schools are for education, not indoctrination. Here's Governor Greg Abbott last month at a parent empowerment night. 
He spoke at Corpus Christi's Annapolis Christian Academy, where their annual high school tuition is almost $11,000. Now is the time to expand ESAs to every child in the state of Texas. That specific form of vouchers, education savings accounts, or ESAs, give money to families who pull students out of public education. One bill in the legislature would give them about $10,000 a year to spend or save. This would mean parents could use taxpayer dollars for their kids' religious private school tuition. But some conservatives, especially in rural areas, are staunch opponents of most plans to divert public school money. Texas Tech Public Media's Sarah Self Walbrick asked around to find out why. Floydata is a town of about 2,600 people, an hour northeast of Lubbock. It wasn't hard to find the 6th to 12th grade campus in the small community. Out front, a sign reads that staff are armed and willing to use whatever force is necessary to protect students. Inside are state-of-the-art facilities where kids take all kinds of classes, from advanced math to welding. People that come into this building say, gosh, that's like a mini college campus. Gilbert Trevino is the superintendent at Floydata ISD, which has around 700 total students. A few years ago, enrollment was dropping as families moved away and looked for more robust education programs. I think a lot of rural school districts are being more proactive. Now, they have dual credit courses and career pathways. Trevino says kids in Floydata get a good education. But it's fairly common for rural students to move between nearby school districts for specific programs, like sports or other extracurriculars. If a student isn't happy in Floydata Collegiate ISD, they can choose to go to school at Lockney, in Rawls, in Matador. So he says he's not against school choice. In fact, he says families already have that. I'm a firm believer that parents and kids have to be where they feel comfortable. But I'm against public funds going to private institutions. If a voucher program of some kind passes in Texas, it will likely affect enrollment at small rural schools. That's what worries Michael Lee. When you lose students, you lose funding because your funding is based on your students and your average daily attendance. Lee is executive director of the Texas Association of Rural Schools, which opposes vouchers. He's also led rural school districts as a superintendent. He says budget cuts can have ripple effects in small towns, where the public school is also a major employer. You know, not only are you adjusting staff, you're cutting programs, so that could be something. Lee has followed this issue through multiple legislative sessions. He predicts a big fight this year, and not just for opponents. It's also contentious among Republicans. Panhandle House Representative Ken King is one rural Republican against plans that would divert money from public schools. Here's what he had to say at a Texas Tribune event in Lubbock a few months ago. It's horrible for rural Texas. It's horrible for all Texans. The only people it's going to help are the kids that don't need the help. Other Republicans are looking for creative workarounds. So I think Republicans are split on this. That's Representative Matt Shaheen from Plano. He's authored legislation that would create a tax credit scholarship program. It gives tax breaks to people and corporations who give money to a scholarship fund that can only be used at private schools. That's significant tax revenue the state would lose. The really big important piece about my legislation is these are non-public education dollars. Shaheen's bill is one of several filed so far on this issue. 
Lawmakers will start considering bills next month. I'm Sarah Self-Walbrick in Lubbock. And I'm Dominic Anthony Walsh in Houston. I'll link to Brian's work and other helpful articles about school choice in the web version of today's show. You can find that and other local programming online at ttupublicmedia.org. Until next time, thanks for listening in.